from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Uh, today we're having a somewhat special uh, podcast um, around the sick bed of Ms. Carrie Flanagan, who uh, unexpectedly had her gallbladder out this week, so uh, we've made it to her apartment um, to record this podcast. So today around the sick bed we have... Jen Reichert, I'm a writer. Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. And Carrie Flanagan, I'm an actor. And Kit Lavoy, I am a writer and a director. Uh, today, uh, we are talking about the subject of acting in musicals. Um, we uh, obviously have done a lot of talking in previous uh, episodes about acting in plays. Uh, we've touched on musicals a couple of times, especially in the context of auditioning and things like that. Um, uh, but today, we're going to talk about uh, how, if at all, uh, acting is different when you are in a musical and how the collaborative process is or is not different when you're working on a musical versus when you're working on a play. Uh, we, as a company, actually tend to do much more straight plays than musicals, but we do work on musicals. We actually have a, a reading next week of the book of a musical that I'm writing, um, and we've uh, done musicals in the past, and certainly uh, members of our company have done musicals uh, on Broadway and off-Broadway and, and at regional theaters and all sorts of things like that. So... Um, let's, uh, let's kick it off a little bit. Um, your basic preparation for the musical, say, when you're getting ready to walk into rehearsal, or the early days of rehearsal, how does your process differ, if at all, from, uh, from when you're doing a straight play? Mine differs in a way that I'm not sure it should. Um, <laughs> I feel like it should be the same either way. Whereas I, I feel like if I'm going into rehearsal process for a musical, I make extra sure before I leave the house or, or preparing for it that I have done vocal warm-ups. Um, I'm much more aware of my body and how it feels before I get there because it feels, to me, feels much more physically demanding to do a, uh, a musical. So I'm kind of trying to, I try to stay on top of that a little more, but I'm not sure if you shouldn't approach anything you do that way. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I mean, maybe because, I mean, there are specific physical demands of singing that if you're not in peak health physically will be obvious to other people. Whereas in a play, you can use the debility to your advantage. Um, you can make it part of what your, what your character's doing that day is that they're, you know, not feeling well or whatever. But you can't actually sing if, you, if you're not ready. Right. Do you find, actually, that if you do a straight play immediately after doing a musical, that you prepare differently uh, physically for that next project? I have. When that's happened in the past, I feel, yeah, it's actually a good thing. It has a good residual effect if you do a musical and go right to a straight play, because you tend to approach it more heightened than you may have if you just picked it up in the middle of, you know, nowhere. Yeah, there's a more heightened focus energy I get from doing the musical. Where do you think that comes from? Because you, you do a lot of musicals. You actually compare to a lot of members of the, the company because you have a, um, a fairly stunning uh, voice on top of your, your acting talent. So um, 
Um, I think where it comes from is that from doing the rigorous activity of doing a musical, having to dance if you're dancing, or just having to sing. Having to sing is exhausting if you're doing it correctly. <laughs> um, and how that opens up your instrument. And if you're left, if you if you leave um, a musical rehearsal, go to a straight play, you're, you're, you're just more physically open. And there's something about that ex- sensation. There's something, and I wonder how you guys think about it and address it, about... It's kind of strange because a play, no matter what, is you're going, you're showing up to pretend to be other people in different circumstances and do it exactly the same thing that you had done the night before. It's all incredibly artificial, ultimately, and a big part of the uh, actor's challenge that we've talked about in the, in, the, in the past is finding the ways to make it feel authentic and in the moment and new every time you've done it, even though it's relatively artificial. But there does seem to be something uh, when you add in the element of music and of dance that makes a musical somehow seem more artificial, just as a concept, if nothing else. And do you guys find that when you work on a musical, or even when you go to see a musical, that there's more of a sense that you need to do more to overcome the hurdle of the extra artificiality, or that you embrace it? that you embrace the fact that breaking out in song is going to feel artificial in some way or another, but it's an accepted part of the, uh, of, of the genre. Or is one of the things that you actually focus on not making it feel artificial? Or does it depend on the particular project? When I go to see a musical, I am I'm more forgiving. Uh, because that's the, that's, that's the form, that's the type. So if someone bursts out into song... In a musical, that's part of the course. Of course, they're doing that. That's what I'm expecting. And so I, I think I, I actually let a lot of things that would seem artificial go, even in, even in you know, people's postures or, or just the way they relate to each other physically. It's, it's something that I'm more forgiving of in a musical. Whereas if it was a straight play and someone burst out into song, like they just decided to sing, and it would be like, Really? Why? Like, I, ne- I never do that. <laughs> Not loudly, anyway. I know. It does. It does. I do that. <laughs> I think that. Uh, uh, I think from the point of view, like, um, from the point of view of when you're doing it, uh, from my perspective, I've always tried to instead of, well, on one hand, embrace the artificiality of it, but also just re-term that or whatever the word is, just. Uh, justify it justify the scene just because um and justify it this when the scene starts because you need to be at a heightened level where bursting into song seems completely obvious like it's the next step you can't what you're trying to achieve can no longer be achieved through speaking so you have to sing it's a tactic it's a (laughs) tactic it's like an action Uh, once i started to figure that out it's it's made it me embracing it's made it easier to embrace the uh is that so? That's actually an interesting question. Is that something that you adjust your picture of the world to be one where people sing in this world? That you are, that you're not pretending as though you're not singing, but that you are actually in a world where the rules are people do burst out into song at each other in life, and it is an acceptable thing to do in the universe of whatever musical you're in. Yeah. I think it can be different between different musicals. Cause, like I was just thinking, what you were, what 
what you both were saying about singing to somebody like with the with the idea that they can hear you singing they can hear what you're saying to them in the lyric of the song and sometimes there's in musicals all of the song seems to be sort of an internal monologue mm -hmm. where where they're singing but no one can hear them they're singing inside themselves in a way um or or there's a combination but like yeah that there there could be there could be a world where singing at someone is what what happens and there certainly are stranger things that you accept as part of doing a play, uh, you know, at any given time. I mean, you can do a play about a, 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 about a talking rabbit. I mean, you know, and, and you accept that as being part of the world of the play. Um, you know, but again, I think it does depend on what the, on what the actual uh, musical is and where it's appropriate. But that, you know, that might be a very easy way into that is the idea that that is the way people communicate in this world. Hmm. And it actually, I'm not sure what it, what it would do, actually, not just when you're the person singing, but when you're being the person sung at. I've actually you have to stay silent <laughs> while someone else is To me, it's always you. been, I, I mean, I, I think maybe because I, sim, uh, this is a weird, I think maybe because I'm a singer, it doesn't seem strange to me. <laughs> like, because I, to me, it's no different than just watching somebody I don't know, and truly listening to your acting partner and really just watching them because they could do anything. They could bust out with anything, and it's if you're really just watching them and nothing will seem strange, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it's also because I've sung since I was three years old, so it feels like a very natural part of my expression. It, it's interesting, actually, because it's too bad that uh, Jane, who's been on this uh, po podcast with us before a number of times, couldn't be here uh, for today because she... Uh, she actually is someone who has been an actor and been a singer, but had never really been in a musical until she was cast in a Broadway musical, and all of a sudden had to do that. But she actually said when she was doing the scene, it made perfect sense. When she was doing the song, it made perfect sense. But it was actually that idea of starting singing that always sort of flummoxed her, that it was sort of like, why now, why now? <laughs> am I deciding to start to sing? I mean, do you have thoughts on that? I think it, I always just see it as like a, a great. It makes our job easier, I think. Then a play is more complex in that sense because you've got to weed out those moments. But it's right there in your text. Okay, I start singing now, so clearly I'm at a certain <laughs> elevated emotional state, <laughs> so, and that happens right there. So I need to figure out how I got there. To me, it's like a signpost. It makes it much easier than when you're doing a play, which is a little more complex. Well, I think actually that is something that that I do think is different between a play and a musical fundamentally is that the structure of the storytelling of a musical is somehow much clearer mm -hmm. um, on the paper. I mean, there's actually something that I love about a straight play is the idea that one Hamlet can be extraordinarily different from another Hamlet. The rhythm of the entire piece can be totally different. Um, but there really is this idea of this is the important moment, and the reason we know it is because this is where they start singing. Mm -hmm. This is what this section of the show is driving towards, is this song, is this moment. Um, which, I mean, as a director, is kind of interesting, because a lot of what you do as a director is kind of create the stru underlying structure of a show, and in a musical, it's there for you a lot. But as actors, um, you know, is that something, does that change... Uh, the way that you think about it, the way that the structure is laid out for you in a musical versus a play? Or do you just do what the director's Tell moving you, you towards? <laughs> I don't know. I like it. it it's different, just like what I just said, but I, I like it. Because <laughs> it, 
I'm just that kind of actor, though, that I really thrive on the structure being handed to me. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I am. Like, I, I just, because then I can do my work. Yeah. But I, I'm, like, yeah. Well, so for because you actually, I think, are a very reactive actor, and I mean that like, and it, it, I think it makes you a very interesting actor. That is very much you respond off of what's going on. So it actually makes sense to me that you like the idea of sort of being penned in by the structure of, of something like. I that. really I, that goes for anything though, for any play or anything. It's I thrive much better. Um, that's me though on structure. So musicals, it's all right there. Makes it a lot easier. Do you think of um, character development differently as you're developing a character in a musical than, than in a play? Sometimes, yeah. Not when it's a new musical. Sometimes it's tough when it's, like, you know, you're getting cast as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. It, it's when you're up at, I don't know why it's different from musicals. I mean, I could be cast as Ophelia, and I wouldn't have that problem. And it's like, one of the, like, Hamlet's done a lot. But uh, <laughs> uh, but when it's a musical, I don't know what it is. I, I maybe because I've done a lot of them my whole life. You have a very specific idea in your head of what Dorothy is, and you don't. I just yeah, I just go with the flow at that point. Well, that really is something <laughs> that I, I have had have found so interesting working on kind of uh, uh, bigger musicals and Broadway shows and things like that where. I know I was, when I was doing shows in high school and in college, there would be this idea where, you know, well, what is it supposed to be? Well, listen to the soundtrack album and that will tell you. And if you can find a picture of the original production, then you'll know what the costume's supposed to be. But I've been there when cast albums have been recorded. And the number of times where it really is, guys, we're running out of time, let's just, you know, and for whatever reason what's on, you know, the piccolo player had to leave early, so they had to readjust what the arrangement was, that there really is, and I mean that, I think, in a very positive way, that at every level of theater, things happen. Things happen every, every place, and so there is no such thing as a definitive thing. There is no such thing as, I mean, certainly... Even the biggest productions have a budget, and there might be some great thing that they had in mind for the set that they couldn't have or that didn't work. Or, um, you know, and, and certainly I've, uh, I, I find it funny. I actually recently worked on a, a, a film of a, of a play, and I know when I've worked on plays that there were films of when I was in high school and in, in college, there was a lot of the directors saying, well, let's rent the movie so we can see what it's supposed to be. But even those... You know, where it's a movie and there's a budget. and you're so, There still were things where it was like this piece of the costume we weren't able to do just like we hoped it would be. Or we couldn't find a car that was really what was appropriate to whatever. Um, but I do think all of that is related to the fact that I do think, especially since when you're doing something for which there's a cast album, you have this sense that Bernadette Peters is dot. And Bernadette Peters was brilliant as Dot, but Bernadette Peters was Bernadette Peters as Dot. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it is actually interesting. I wonder if she had not been the original Dot and she had done it later. Again, right. she's a pretty brilliant actor, but I wonder how beholden she might have felt to what the original production was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also simply might have to do when you're listening that music gets stuck in your head and you do feel like... And, and yeah, and what, what do you call that? Phrasings and stuff. Phrasing, yeah. Yeah, that people think that that's how the music is supposed to be instead of a choice. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, people who 
you know, people who sing Broadway songs for, you know, whatever, for karaoke (laughs) or to, like, recitals tend to copy instead of... Well, yeah. Instead of put part of themselves Themselves. into it. I think a lot of... I I think that happens a lot. But I think... um, what goes on in my head, for, and I don't know how many people think this way, is sometimes I just de- it just depends on where I'm doing the show or where I'm doing mm. the song. If I'm doing it in my hometown for ev- and the average age is 65 and over, <laughs> like there's a certain part of my mind that's like, I'm going to give them what they want, what, what, they what they're expecting, what they're, because that's what they came here for. They're not, they're not, they didn't came here to be like moved by <laughs> interpretation. <laughs> so it, it's... But normally, I just, I just, I'm my, I mean, like any actor, you're, you're the filter, so it's going to come through you and you, the way you are. That's, I mean, that's how I tend to approach things. How does the fact that in a lot of songs, that you, your character's internal monologue is shared in a way that it isn't in a lot of plays? There actually, I think, are a lot of parallels between doing Shakespeare and doing musicals um, mm-hmm. in, 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 in a couple different ways. One is, there's a lot of songs that function as soliloquy. Um, and also, candidly, the idea of, of doing the rhythm and the iambic pentameter can be a a kind of the same sort of storytelling and technical dance that singing a song often can be. But how does how does the fact that a lot of times what would be private information for you to develop on your own as an actor in a play is actually shared uh, through a song? I think in answer to your question, I think you are revealing part of your inner monologue just like in in Shakespeare, but I feel like as the actor then you have more secrets. Like I I feel like you're not, that doesn't mean that you're giving away all your secrets. You just have to have more deeper secrets that you keep to yourself and these are the ones that you choose to share for whatever reason. I don't know. Sometimes I I think there's there's something very simple about the, the musical theater structure to me that I think that I've always liked those moments of soliloquy moments because they don't happen in plays. They tend, unless you're doing Shakespeare, they tend not to happen in plays. And they, uh, I like the relationship it creates with the audience and the actor because it's unusual. It's not, it's not like in a play because they really are your ally in a way that hmm. they aren't because they're the only ones who know this thing. It's like talking to your best friend. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked that because it's it's a vul- there's a vulnerability about those kinds of songs and moments in musical that. Don't tend. They can, but that specific type of vulnerability doesn't tend to happen. Do you tend to? And obviously, it depends on the specific musical and moment and what the production wants. But do you tend to prefer when you have a soliloquy-like song to be doing it to the audience or doing it for the audience to overhear? I mean, that's kind of a big question with with Shakespearean soliloquies too. I prefer to be doing it to the audience. I think I prefer the opposite. I think. Yeah, I think that... Because they're right there. <laughs> I think that's... Because it, it gives you... A per, it gives you somebody to talk to when you're standing alone. And there's something about the superficiality of... I did air quotes just then. The superficiality of uh, musical theater that there is a little droppage of the fourth wall on moments. To me. That I think it's completely completely acceptable to just be having a conversation with the 80 to 400 people that are sitting there. I don't know. I, it feeds me more than trying to come up, up with why am I speaking out loud? Who am I talking to? Well, I guess it gives you it. something more to react to, too. Maybe, Seeing yeah. That. I don't Yeah, I don't really know. I guess it's, it's probably different for everything, but 
in just thinking back, I think I always felt like I was talking to them. I mean, we've uh, talked a lot in the past about the importance of making the interesting choice. I, I also made air quotes around interesting. But rather than the right choice or the, you know, the idea um, that that's what you really strive for is a choice that makes um, a scene or a moment even more interesting than it is simply on the page. Does that mean something different or additional for a musical than it does for a play? It means something different to me because I think that in this in the industry where there's such a division between you're a straight actor, you're a musical theater actor, it's getting a little blended more now than it ever has been. But it, it's for a long time it's and still kind of is separate. And I, to me, it's different because I don't think people. <laughs> this sounds terrible. I'll try to explain it. I don't think people expect you to make the interesting choice when you're doing a musical. Mm. That it, they they are expecting that sort of. Whatever the musical is, that sort of veneered thing they're expecting, the the and like an execution. Yeah, thanks. The and the, so to me, in that sense, it's different because it's a lot of people don't approach musicals as actors; they approach them as musical theater performers. Hmm. Well, we saw um, a few years Which ago. Is just different. Not bad, just different. <laughs> <laughs> we actually saw the uh, Broadway production of Forty um, Second Street a few years ago. Which was actually, a, 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 it's, it was a lot of fun, and I, I liked it a lot. And Tom Wopat was playing Julian Marsh, and made what I thought was such an interesting choice, which was that he is this choreographer, great famous choreographer, but he had, like, a limp, and limped his way through the show, and there was something that I found... He couldn't do the dancing, like, like the way, like, he was doing dancing with a limp. Yeah, and I and thought that was such and a cane. Yeah, and I thought that was such an interesting choice to make, and it added so much to that character. This person who was a choreographer—that's how he made his life, made his living. And there were all these, and he's around all of these very young people who were dancers, but he couldn't do it anymore. And I thought it added so much to the show. And then at curtain call, he came out and pointed his leg and rolled his eyes and, like, made a little shooting motion at it. And I came to discover he'd actually injured his leg earlier <laughs> in the week. And so it was actually a real limp. But, um, <laughs> but that actually... It's I ruined everything. <laughs> well, but I always think about that, that that's a sort of... The idea of give Julian Marsh a limp is actually something that I think... I think people would shy away from because that's not who he's supposed to be, quote-unquote dancer. Yeah, but I will say it was an accidental choice in this case, but I actually thought it added so much to the show and made a show that I knew, kind of knew in a way that didn't take anything away from the stuff that that already is interesting about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's uh, I, am, I am in favor of finding the interesting choices to make in all the same ways that you make them uh, in a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I do think there is a degree to which I think you are right, what you said before, Carrie, but it depends where you're doing it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are some places where, and uh, you know, at dinner theater and kind of things like that, where it's about you're basically you want to go and see a reenactment of the movie version or whatever. And, uh, you know, if that's what the production is, part of your goal uh, as the actor is to be able to execute those choices which are not your own in a way that still feels full and, and meaningful. Um, and candidly, as, a, as an actor, a lot of the time your job is to 
execute a choice that's not necessarily your own if you're given it by the director. Um, but I suppose it is different if it actually is about an audience has something that they're measuring it up to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about um, acting a scene in a musical as opposed to a song. Is that like any book, different? A book scene. A book scene, yeah. yeah. Is that any different than acting a scene in a play for you? I don't think it would be. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can answer this, Carrie. But when you're acting a scene and there's like music that goes underneath it, I was just talking about that. I feel like that would be the only difference in having to having there be a certain rhythm that you have to have with the scene, or an emotion that's yeah that's present in the music that kind of either undermines or and exaggerates what you're doing in the scene. Yeah. I was just thinking that at the same time you were. What was your the end of your question? Well, no, I mean, just just how is that different? What do you do to change? Like, how do you deal with that? Can you hear it? Yeah, I, I mean, character. <laughs> what are those damn bells? <laughs> <laughs> well, I find it only feeds you, one way or the other. It only feeds the moment and heightens the moment. It tends to go right along with what you you are experiencing emotionally, just because it is. Especially if your character is the one that's about to sing. <laughs> I find that I find that in musicals, like because it, I mean, essentially, it's a combination of two forms of art. One is music, and one is acting. And it's like it it's this the sum of them is greater than the parts in a way. Like you get double whammy hmm. emotional response to see a person acting with beautiful music. You know it it it. It help they they like pull each other along when mm-hmm. when both parts are there and done well, um, but so like music like you said music under a scene helps like as if you were acting a straight play and had music in your head that that would help you like but actually having it there pushing you along. Well, to it, me it feels like it's it's to me it's like another scene partner because they they it, they come in and they establish or help between the two of you you're establishing the pacing, and you you can't you can't. Um, control the pacing at that point because once the music comes in it's setting it's setting the rhythm yeah of what's going on so that that's it's the dominant character in the moment hmm. how much more responsibility do you find in a book scene uh you have to drive to what the end of the scene is than in a straight play i mean obviously in a straight play you do know where the scene's ending up and you hopefully the scene will lead up to that but certainly a scene that is leading up to a song the thing that it's leading up to is is more pointed and more clear in its way. Um, does that change the way that you play a scene, or does it change what you feel your responsibility is in a scene at all? I don't think, as an actor, it does. Like, uh, like as 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 a character, I don't think it. Like, as the way I would approach a scene in a straight play, and the way I would approach a scene, the actual goings on of a scene in a musical are the same. The only difference is it's just psychologically as the actor, it is different because you got you're gearing up for you're physically gearing up for something that's it'd be like you know at the end of the scene there's going to be a fight. I'm just speaking, um, yeah. what do you call it? Uh, Techn- logistics, te- technical stuff. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, it's different as a character, but just as the way I would explore it as a character, I, I don't feel like I approach it differently. How about the uh, acting and, and performing songs? And acting while you're performing songs. How does that differ than acting when you're doing a scene? I feel like it's, when you're singing, it's it's kind of like you're doing an acting exercise. Like, for me, I'm thinking so much about the singing 
that it opens me up and that I've done all the back work. I don't know. If it's, but do you no, know what I mean? No, like no, where sure. it just kind of comes out naturally and you're not thinking about it because you're concentrating on the, the techniques song, of singing. The techniques of singing. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's what I find. Like I actually, it, it frees me to just go wherever, and, you know, like, you know what I mean? Just follow my impulses and, and just to be more free and open that way. Mm, I agree. One thing actually that I, I, this, this is just like a little acting tip thing that I, I heard a director give somebody uh, once, but it was, it was a director who also was a musical theater actor and it just, it was so smart and every time I, so I will share it because I, I think about it a lot and everyone I've, I've mentioned it to says it works really well, which is to think about in your head when you're singing, not the line you're singing, but the next line. And that, they, and that it pulls you through the storytelling of the song and it colors and textures what you're singing. Because actually, I think it makes a lot of sense because in life, even as you're talking, you've already decided what the thing is you're about to say and you're planning the next thing that you're going to say even as you're saying it. But I think there is a trap you can fall into when you're doing a song of you're caught up in the moment of creating this sound, but you're not letting your thoughts move at the speed your thoughts would actually move. And I thought, you know... This, the notes are sustained... It gives you something active to do during those long like holds. during, during <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah. you're thinking about the next thing you're saying. Yeah, and it, and it makes what you're saying now, what you're singing in this moment, a preparation for what you're about to sing. Which is really, again, when you're dealing with someone, that is usually what happens until you get to the end of your thought or yeah. the end of your you know series of thoughts. Is that it is all a lead up to the thing you're going to next. And uh, I just thought that was that was a really kind of smart mm. way to think of it, and a simple way to think of it. Um, and it's actually made me, um, because I I am not a musical theater performer, um, but I it has made me much less afraid of the idea of having to perform a song if I had to. Like mm-hmm. that makes it feel much more manageable. <laughs> Um, is there any, bouncing off of that, is there any different level of anxiety at all that you feel about doing a musical versus doing a straight play? I mean, Carrie, I know you've done many, many, many musicals, um, so I don't know if it's different for you. Jenny, you've done fewer. Jen, you've done fewer, but you've both done musicals. Mm-hmm. I find it's more, I have more anxiety doing a straight play. Huh. Even if there's some, like, ridiculous dance number that I can't do (laughs) I have much more anxiety just because there's no safety net I can fall back on the beauty of the song you could fall back on the splashy colors and everything you you're out there a little more without a say I feel without a safety net there's no guarantee (laughs) this is gonna go well because you're not gonna sing the money note (laughs) I feel the exact opposite I feel much more nervous and vulnerable because you're out there singing a song where you're the person that everyone is focusing on. and Because I like straight plays because you can go to your scene partner. But those songs where you're singing to, you know, air quotes audience whoever, or yeah. wh- whoever, and no one, no one's there with you. It's you and the musical director and... I mean, anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, part- but there's, it's, it is that structure thing with me again, though. There's so much structure around... And I, I think this is because I've been a music like, yeah. singer since... Uh, there's so much structure around a musical director, a orchestra, a piano, whatever you got. And, uh, you, you can't, no matter what happens, you're, you're kind of okay. Oh, I think part of it, though, has to do with the fact that, Carrie, you are a singer, and Jenny, you are an actor who sings, <laughs> yeah. so for you, Carrie, it's, 
all I've got to do is sing, sing. the right notes. <laughs> and like, Jesus Christ, how do I do the right notes? <laughs> That's exactly... That's how I feel about dancing. Feel. That's how I feel. Yeah, I got that one. Yeah. Because I, 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 I think my anxiety would be song. about, can I execute the song? Period. That would be what I would be worried about. And it'd be like, oh, well, at least I could like act a little bit and give them something for their money. But, you know, I would be more, <laughs> more concerned Can I act sing this? <laughs> Well, there is. A, I know when I've had to do songs and musicals, and again, I, I've not acted for for much for a while, so it has been a while. But there is something that's sort of thrilling to me about not being a singer and having to do that. But there's that degree to which you step out there and they do that opening you're chord. You're on your own. But that's it, man. Yeah. I mean, it feels. It, I feel awfully brave. Well, well time there's, to do that. there's it, there, when it actually. I do too, though. When because when it actually because there's been plenty of times when I've gotten out there and I'm like. I'm not 100% sure I know the words to this. <laughs> and there's no stop. You can't you can't make up new words. You can't you can't speak and you can, but it'll be terrible. And you can't once that chord starts, I have that same like terror. Like, and that's the thing, no, there's no that, improv. Yeah, and that's the thing the audience will know when you're off well, on flat the out now like, and if, if you feel like you're driving a truck that's about to lose control. It feels like the biggest most intense. It's the same feeling every time music starts. I have the same feeling that I feel when I I think I just blanked out. On my line. That enormous, huge silence that happens between the music starting and you singing. Like, this can go anyway. All I know is that I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta do something. That's all I know. Yeah, it is hard to hurt improvise. <laughs> but there is... What's to say? That's with Shakespeare. You can't improvise Shakespeare oh, God. Either. You gotta go with what's there. That's <laughs> piece of awesome attempt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I I, uh, I have been in a few Shakespeare shows where the person has come out and... What's not, up? What's up? <laughs> yes, no, I remember being on stage once with an actor who was supposed to deliver a monologue to me and instead said, So, what's up, Senior Benedict? There also is... Uh, I really admire a lot in musical theater when people are performing a song when there are people who are extraordinary talents who know how to do more than just the song i mean we were talking about bernadette peters's dot in uh in in um sunday in the park and i mean there is this moment that i think i've uh, is my favorite moment in anything is a moment in, in that when uh, she's saying that she needs to uh, that that she's leaving, she's going to America. She's come to tell her boyfriend or uh, Surat. Uh, she knows she's carrying his baby, and she says she's going. He says, "Well, I guess there's nothing I can say, is there?" And she says, "Yes, George, there is. You can tell me not to go." And it's just this so simple the thought, and the music is Sondheim and amazing, and yet she leaps up out past. Like, what she has inside of her that's coming out is somehow so much bigger than even the amazing music and the amazing simplicity of the thought. And there's something about when you can hit that kind of an acting moment that elevates an already elevated moment. Yeah. It's, it's pretty extraordinary. Where you actually... Where people, I think, actually almost use the song as an obstacle in that moment rather than as a... Uh, I mean, I think that's kind of an advanced technique rather than as a um, 
as something that's helping to, to move them along and carry them along, which is kind of more traditionally how you use the songs. But, I mean, one of my favorite performances of anything ever was uh, Jesse Martin in the original production of Rent, which, I mean, he was extraordinary. And he has that song, After Angel Dies, where it's the reprise of I'll Cover You. But there was something in his performance that it was like he had so much to say and the fact that all he had was this amazing song. Like, that, like it seemed to be that this amazing song he had to sing was somehow not enough to express everything that he had that made it all the more heartbreaking than, than other performances and of that same moment and the same song where people sort of leaned into the song and... Perform and, and let the song be what they were feeling mm-hmm. instead of let the song be what they were trying to use to express what they're feeling. Because that's something that I always find amazing on stage is when people, even when it's a great line, when it feels like their words are failing them because they have so much more to say than they're able to articulate. And again, when even in the elevated moment of a song, there is so much more behind it that they can't articulate even through the combination of music and the words that I find really moving. Compare the, I've always compared those moments, because it sounds really depressing, but I've always compared those those moments when they happen, or when I see them happen, to giving or hearing a eulogy of somebody. Mm. To having to give one, and how there's... Because you think about it your entire life. That's a lot of it, too, is you think about this moment your entire life, on one level or another. And then you're left with the thing you came up with over a glass of wine last night. And you're, and on top of it, you're summing up somebody's life. <laughs> and it's it, it's that just that feeling of everything that's underneath these words is going to rush it. How much do you acknowledge when you're singing a song that you're singing a song? I mean, we touched on this a little bit before, but how? I always know I'm singing a song. Mm-hmm. I mean, like duh, but <laughs> I, I I'm always aware of it just because there's too many elements. You know, like there's music there. I think if you Try to make it something that it's not. In my opinion, if you try to make this, this is a world where this is elevated speech or wherever. There was I actually one of my favorite moments I've ever seen. Actually, Carrie was you doing something in a musical a while ago in a role you actually were much too young to play at the time. Anyway, in uh, in Blood Brothers. Yeah. Um, but there was a moment I've actually never known, honestly because I don't know the show well enough to know whether it was scripted or, or how it came about. But there was a moment in the big final number about eulogizing your sons, actually, who are dead at that moment. And I just remember there was a moment where you were singing, and it was like the whole group was singing, and everyone's coming to that, and all of a sudden you dropped out. Like, it was overwhelmed. There was, like, you couldn't do it anymore. And then there was this choice... But what it really felt like, which I thought was kind of exceptional, was the choice to sing the song, damn it. And all of a sudden pulled it together and came up and over everyone else in the group. That I found that so moving. But that actually felt to me very much like part of it was embracing the conceit that you were in fact singing a song. And the the fact that this person in that moment was not up to singing this song and then decided, no, they absolutely have to and made the decision to do it. I, I don't know, actually, if you remember no, the moment no, remember I'm talking that. about it. Is that written in the show? Is that no, a choice no, 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 no. that you made? Is It It was a, some, just something that happened. I don't know. I don't... It's not... No, she's supposed to just sing the song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember just thinking, feeling like, just awful. <laughs> I remember feeling angry and I just didn't feel like singing anymore 
sort of stopped. <laughs> Unprofessional. <laughs> and uh, and I thought it was okay because it all seemed to make sense. It's that a lot of it is you have to think very quickly. Is does is me as an actor? Is this is this is this choice I want to make from me myself as an actor make sense to this character? Like to this, what's happening? Is are the actor problem and the character problem the same? Hmm. And it was. So I just I stopped. And then I realized it's that structure thing. The song kept going, without with, with or without me. So I, I had to jump back on the train <laughs> because I was directed to sing the song. <laughs> but to me, in, in this hyper mode, fast thought of it all was just kind of like, this has got to feel what it feels like when you are so in mourning that it's just like I, I want you can't. It's like, do I just stop living now or no? And you can't. So you got to keep doing. You got to. You got to keep doing what you're doing, and what you're doing in that moment was singing a song. I mean, right. I just thought that it was that was simple to me, and it was that simple. Yeah, and it was simple, and it was clear. I mean, that's again talk about finding the interesting choice. That mm. you know, what a that how many years later? I mean, that was almost. <sighs> Don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was keep quite, it quiet. <laughs> quite a number of years ago, and I still remember that. You know, and I actually wonder how much. It had to do with the fact that you were that it was sort of a break of the formality that that music actually really gives you a map of what to expect. You know, we all have music built inside of us, and you can feel where a song is going. And when the song makes the choice not to go there, I mean, that is often a very interesting moment in a song. But uh, it, it can be a very interesting moment when the production or an actor or a director makes a choice to not take the song. At least for a moment, where yeah, it thinks it's I, going. There, I've seen other times where actors drop out of a song or don't sing the last note, and there's this feeling that it's things are unfinished. That is so heartbreaking. Do you know? And what, I can't so, think of a specific one I'll, right now. I think that I don't know if I can think of a specific one, but I what I do have found when I see it happen, it reminds me of when is a lot of times it's when the other people start singing because as a character, as an actor, especially if you're in that kind of moment, you feel like. I'm gonna let them they take paid. the wheel for a minute, hmm. because and you can't do that. I've seen it done solo wise too, in a solo situation too. I'm just trying to think of oh, yeah, yeah, like a last note of a song where you don't sing the last note. Goodbye, love and rent has that in it. I think and that yeah yeah and one actually of the most compelling moments on stage I have ever seen in my life was in the Deaf West production of um, <gasps> I love that of Big River, uh, Big River um, which. For people who have not seen the production of it, it was um, it was the Deaf West Theater, which is this deaf theater doing the musical of Big River, which is the story of, of Huckleberry Finn. But that there that what they would do was that everyone would sign, but there were a number of actors who who only signed, who were deaf, and they had other people speaking and singing for them. And it was actually the actor. It was interesting. The actors playing uh, Huck Finn was deaf. And they had the person who was playing Mark Twain Twain doing his speaking for him. But also, as it happened, the guy who played Mark Twain was the guy who played Huck in the original Broadway production. It was this whole kind of meta thing. But one of the things that it did was in the middle of one of the songs where they're singing, and just as it's about to reach its crescendo, and you know, you feel it's about to reach its crescendo, it goes silent. All of the music comes out, all of the song, all of the singing comes out, and they're just signing. And by that point, you've seen them sign the song enough that you're following along with what they're doing. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Utterly breathtaking. 
And again, it was about making an interesting choice, a surprising choice, yeah. and using the formality of the music yeah. against itself it in a so surprising way. Well. It was it was stunning. Hmm. I, I do remember that. Yeah. Hmm. It is interesting because I do. Th- I think that there's a lot of times that there's a certain level of snobbery among actors about musicals. And again, we're not a group that does musicals a lot as as a rule. I actually am not personally a fan of like musical theater, musical theater where, I mean, I, sometimes it it can be fine, but I mean, I, but a number of just the moments that I have seen on stage that are the most stunning and most memorable and most moving have been in musicals. When musicals are done right and really have all of the you know, all of the work that goes into a really great straight play with the added element of that there's music in it. It's, and and the really smart use of music to tell the story. I mean, it really, really, really can be wonderful. I mean, for my money, the the first four minutes of The Lion King is the most stunning thing I've ever seen, and it's a bunch of music and puppets. But... <laughs> It, it's one of the. It, it's just one of those things that, and I've talked to so many people who've said it, that just sobbing, crying, mm-hmm. just based on the fact that someone was able to create this, somebody thought of this. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's such a moving thing, and it's and there's you, dancing, and there's dancing, yeah, and you know, it's just you know, it's it's. I, I am always, I, I really, I'm generally not a fan of frivolous musicals. I don't want to use that too judgmentally. But I also do often feel judgmental about anyone's like, I don't like musicals. It's like, well, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Because <laughs> you like listening to music, don't you? <laughs> um, they tend to be the people that can't do it. I, I, that's a lot of it. I've never seen anyone who's, who could actually execute doing a musical say that generic of a statement. They mm-hmm. might say, I'm not into it, I, I'd rather play in a band, or I don't like all musicals, I, I, but it's not as sweeping as, I hate musicals. <laughs> <laughs> Some injury as a child. <laughs> and Carrie, actually, I will ask you, although if anyone else has thoughts on this, certainly. But how is a duet different for you than a non-duet? Or a song with a chorus different from a solo. I mean, how is that different? It's the same, in the same way that... I think in the same way that doing a monologue versus having... A, it's the same exact thing. as having a scene partner. It's really... I like it. I love doing duets because it... I also just... I love the harmonizing with people. It's a very specific way of trying to get on the same page with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's very... We touched on this a little bit before, but before we uh, we move on from the idea of acting songs and musicals, are there any thoughts, additional thoughts, about the moving from the scene part of a scene, the book part of a scene, into the song, and then moving from the song back into the book part of the scene? Is there any sort of trick to handling that transition? No trick. I don't know. To me, it's the same, as, uh, it's the same wave as the scene. The song's just the climax, or the top of the wave, whatever that's called. Mm. Do you find, actually, that when you start singing, that it's a new thought for you, or is it a continuation of a thought that you're having in the scene, when it works best for you? I mean, obviously, it depends a bit on what the song and the scene is. 
But does this does the song usually start a new beat to the scene for you? Well, yeah, because I find in general that songs are songs in that moment, kind of like the moment in a monologue or the, the the top of a scene where you might be saying something that you've never said out loud before. I think nine times out of ten, that's a song. Is they, what they write in the song is the things you've never said out loud. So it's not that it's necessarily a new thought. It's just the first time you're saying it. Hmm. I know that that was, was something. I, I, I worked uh, with, with Audra McDonald on 110 in the Shade, and she, and she is just obviously amazing at what she did. But the thing that always astonished me about her was that you almost didn't notice when she started singing. Mm-hmm. That there was such a continuation of thought and that she had sort of structured the lead-up to the scene in such a way that it just... Well, of course, the next thing that would happen is that you would start singing. It also... Yeah. It also really, really helps. Really helps. I can't stand it when I hear the opposite. <laughs> when your speaking voice... Your singing voice is an extension of your speaking voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when you get two totally different voices up there, it's it's... I almost get angry. Like, I almost want to leave. I've seen. <laughs> I don't know why it's it's such a because it seems like such a it's just not a genuine expression anymore, mm. and it, it's, it's and she strikes me. In, yeah, it's it's definitely like ugh, makes me crazy. But she, her voice is seamless, pretty much. <laughs> well, and there is something about it that idea of coming out of the scene into the into the show that I mean I've always loved the music to Dream Girls and that I'm telling you I'm not going you know every, the big song everybody knows I've always loved it but it wasn't until I and actually I've still never seen the show but there was a recording that they did from the Encores production a few years ago that's the entire show a recording of the entire show and when you get the lead up mm-hmm. to that they're fighting yeah. yeah my god it makes the song totally different and it really does reach a place, and it's a lot of it's in the writing, but it also um, is in the performance in, in that recording, where it really does reach a point where she can't not break into that song at the moment, the way that the, that that it, that it leads up to it. You know, and I think that really is the the big trick of it. I think is to find the way that it's not about taking a breath and going. It's not about the character making the choice to sing, although in some cases I suppose it probably is about the character making the choice to sing, but more than anything, the idea that, you know, you have found the way to lead up to it, that it can't not go there. Do you know what's interesting, too, is back to the thing you were saying earlier about thinking about the next thing you're going to sing, just from a pure technical standpoint, singing, the what I find so interesting, and when you actually are on top of your game enough to do it, they always tell you to, that when you breathe in to start a phrase, that you breathe in the highest note mentally that you're going to hit in that phrase so when you breathe in it because it sets your soft palate just technical but it sets your soft palate up to a place that it's seamless when it comes out but it's you literally are because they tend to fall at the end of the line so you literally are at the end of the line when you breathe in and then start singing i that's i'm sure there's other techniques but that's what i've always been taught which i think is interesting let's talk a little bit about dancing (laughs) (laughs) yikes which actually, musicals, I mean, used to be dance shows. I mean, that was, you know, what they were. And, and now, um, although actually, there was a long time in the golden age of musicals where actually they would have the leads and then the chorus and then the dance core. That it actually was, was, you know, pretty definitively, you know, separate groups. And then there was the rise of the um, triple, triple need threat. of the triple threat. But there now are a lot of terrific musicals. And I mean... Uh, 
that don't require much or any dancing at all. I mean, you know... Or Broadway-style dancing. Yeah. Or even, yeah, Broadway-style dancing, or even no dancing. And I mean, you know, Les Mis essentially has no dancing, and at Avenue Q essentially has no dancing, and at the last five years, I think, has no dancing in it. Um, most Sondheim shows don't have dancing in it. You know, so dancing is not necessarily part of the musical form anymore as much as it was, but a lot of times it is, uh, both in new musicals and older musicals. What are, how do you connect to dancing both as a technical event in a show and also as a storytelling event? I think that the, like the musicals of old, like Oklahoma or something like that, say, the dancing was, versus now is my point, the dancing was, doesn't, is not very character-driven. I find that now the, the dancing is... If dancing is used, I find more often than not the characters are self-aware that they're dancing, in in a, in a different kind of way than they like. They're it's not like a dance break. It's not a dance break. <laughs> I, fu- I I have found that it's a, an essential part of the storytelling. Like Alter Boys, they are a boy band. They're like they have to dance. It's part of being a boy band. Versus Oklahoma being a townsfolk person who happens to know how to jig. Yeah, <laughs> the whole town knows how to dance. I think it's just different now because. A lot of people, a lot of shows have taken it out altogether. Do you find for yourself when you are cast in Annie Get Your Gun or Oklahoma or something like that, that when you do have to dance, how, how much do you give yourself over to, to the idea that this is a convention of the form and it is now time to dance? And how much do you find that you need to keep the continuity of your story to justify why they're dancing? Or do you? I think if and when I get cast to just dance, <laughs> I give over to it and just dance. If if I get cast, I tend to get cast in the leads or not cast for that very reason. Because I don't really... I mean, I can if I have to. If I have to, I give over to it 100% is my answer. <laughs> Otherwise, I find that most leads are written that you don't dance. And if you do, it's an extension of the character, whatever choices you make. Let's talk uh, a little bit about the collaboration process. I mean, we've obviously talked about a lot, a lot about collaboration primarily in the process of, of doing a play in the past. But do you find that the collaboration as an actor with your director is different in a play than it is in a musical? <laughs> I find it's different, but again, not in a way that I think that it necessarily should be. But why not? I find it's different because I think when I'm an actor in a play, I take in... Like things like the set, things like the lighting design, things like that. This is stuff that comes up for me towards the end when I get into tech. Like I'm doing my job on the side and everyone else is <laughs> I'm, I'm informed about what the environment is so I can put that into the work. It's different in a musical because from any musical I've worked on, it's from go day one, you're more aware of the entire element because when you're doing your blocking, you're like, and then you need to move over here because the dancers are going to come in here. And then it, it's much more... I don't know what the right word is, but it's structured much more in that sense. My role in it from day one versus tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I actually even think as a director on a musical, it's it's there's similarities uh, to the idea that there are so many moving moving parts that need to interact in a different way than there was in a straight play. I mean, obviously it depends on the specific production, but... That, I mean, you always want to be able to discover a lot of things over the course of a rehearsal process. But in a musical, again, because the the rhythm of the piece and the structure of the piece is built in much more uh, specifically um, in the actual writing, 
there's less room for discovery in some of those in some of those places. So I mean, I actually know, like as a director working with actors, you still want to give them room to find and discover, but there are more walls to the maze that are put up that are than um, that are technical walls that you need to address and be aware of and all you know conquer together. I mean, it's actually like film that way in a lot of ways that there are that there are a lot of technical considerations that you know you need to realize you're not going to be in frame if you're not standing exactly here um you know it's the simply you're going to be run over by dancers and the moving set if you're not standing exactly here so it's also interesting because of the different um technical um aspects of it that the rehearsal process is generally at least two weeks longer Mm -hmm. um so it's a it's a it's a longer relationship that you have, you know, whatever that means, but it's, it's, you're with these people longer because of that. And there also is that I feel like the, the relationship between the director and the actor is in some ways more filtered in some places in, in a musical than in a straight play, if only because there is usually a choreographer and a musical director who handle very important parts of the storytelling, you have to assume as the actor that the choreographer is teaching you choreography that either they have already gone over with the director or is reflective of what it is that they and the director have talked about. But, you know, and certainly the same thing when the musical director is teaching songs... You know, they hopefully they are teaching you the songs in the way I guess you can only have to trust that they're teaching you in ways that, uh, you know, the director ultimately wants it to be. Does your collaboration with the writers of a musical, of a new musical, differ than than, uh, than your relationship with the writer on a play? Or yeah, because the there's two of them. <laughs> At least there's yeah. two of them versus usually just one writer on a play. You're dealing with two to three people trying to work out their one script. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it is different because you got to stand back. I mean, you got to... It tends to take longer. Do you do you find that you in working on a musical are your thoughts about the music taken how how do do you share your thoughts about the music in the same way you might share your thoughts about a character in a straight play and is it taken differently Yeah I never thought about that but yeah it's probably I have shared usually I don't know usually it comes down to something technical it usually comes down to something technical before I share my thoughts about the music Like what Like either I can't hit a note or the tone of my voice doesn't sound good on whatever note, so they change it to whatever, or something would sound better, so they change it to that. I find... I have found <laughs> that most composers come to the table with the music and don't... I don't think they really fully expect... I think they expect to hear what they wrote. So I, I don't... It's a different kind of collaboration. You, you end up coming to something different because when they come to the table, they realize they're dealing with a human being who has a voice, and it's going to sound better in this way or in that way or whatever, so they do have to make changes, but... It's different. It's different than let's talk about what. Do you agree with this note or not? I, I don't. I don't feel that's. <laughs> uh, I don't think my character would sing in that note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that incidentally, I will say, as a total aside, is my absolute least favorite thing. Is when an actor will say to a playwright, "I don't think my character would do that," or say that. Or yeah, I don't think my character would say that. Or use when the that. bottom or line is that word, the bottom line that. is that that your the <laughs> character is written on the page. <laughs> like you have to figure it's you, the actor, that wouldn't say that, and, you, and it's it's not a correct thing to say. I mean, I absolutely, you know, 
the conversation to have of wouldn't it be more interesting if wouldn't it be whatever but I do I just find it sort of amazing when actors look at a playwright and say I don't think my character would do that well since that's a guy who came up with the character perhaps you're the one who does not understand <laughs> what the character would do <laughs> and it's usually I really it, that's always the case of an actor's uncomfortable yeah how does your relationship with uh, and your collaboration with uh, the other actors differ, if at all, in a musical than in a, a straight play? I wonder if you can help each other as much as you can in a straight play, because you because you are locked in with the pacing and because the execution is expected a certain way. If there is a, the ability to give and take as much as you can in a straight play. I thought the actual just experience of, like, to say, like, the most, like, say, you do, like, a 29-hour reading or something of a musical or something. I don't know. I find that the energy in the room is much more, we all just got in this boat, let's work together and see, and see how we're going to, like, it's versus, not that you're working against your people in a straight play, but it's more, because inherently within, I don't know, inherently within a straight play, the, the crux is people come to see a straight play to see drama, to see conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you come... And you're kind of mentally prepared that at some point in this play, I'm going to have conflict with this person. <laughs> like, very direct conflict. So it's just a different energy versus the three of us have to sing this song in harmony. Yeah. That, yeah, that's so teamwork. We're so gonna, it's teamwork. Yeah, it's a different mm. teamworky kind of... Well, it's something, actually, that I, I, we, we talked about during the violence podcast, the idea that, you know, sort of in a play, you're at conflict, and then sort of the moment of the greatest height of conflict when fisticuffs breaks out <laughs> is the moment where you need to be most in tuned and most working together and need to stop fighting each other uh, to work but I think there's actually because of it's a very technical thing in order to be safe I think musicals are kind of much more full of those sorts of moments too I'm going to sing the song this way I know <laughs> deal with me <laughs> but I have actually found an interesting way that the and it makes sense and I think for all of the reasons that we've talked about about the technical demands of a musical that musical rehearsal processes seem to be much more result production focused than straight plays, which I, I would like to say have more of the ability to be more process focused. You know, you can it's about being in the room with these other actors and finding out what you find and then figuring out how to apply it to the production. Whereas I think in a musical, it's great when you can find, and especially you're working on a book scene when you're working, when you can find the opportunity to let it be about the process. But it has seemed, in my experience, that everyone's head is a bit more focused on what is this going to look like on the stage on opening night 97% of the time uh, in a musical rehearsal rather than a straight play rehearsal, where it's, you know, 40% of the time, including almost all of the time in the last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think that's it. So I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, thank you, Carrie Flanagan, for having us into your home while you are recuperating. And uh, hopefully you will get better and be able to sing soon. <laughs> and for everyone, for Jen and for Jenny and for Kerry and for myself and everyone at Cry Havoc, thanks so much for joining us. We will be back soon with more discussions of the art and craft and lifestyle of being an actor, writer, and director in New York City. If you like what you're hearing and would like to get other people to hear it, please tell your friends about the podcast and go to iTunes and write a review and give us stars. If you like what you've heard but have not yet subscribed, also go to iTunes and subscribe. 
And if you're interested in what you're hearing and would like to learn more about ways that you can come see work that we are doing, including work that is in progress that you can see before it's ready for the stage, or if you're interested in supporting what we're doing, please go to www.cryhavacompany.org. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavacompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavacompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.